Thank you, Father, for another opportunity to stand in this pulpit and to declare your word. We know that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We understand the riches, unsearchable riches, of the glorious gospel of Christ. And as we gather here each Sunday around the word of the Lord, we eat from the table that the Lord has prepared for us. Now I ask you that this Sunday morning would be no exception, but that you would let us eat from the table of the Lord, spiritual food for our inner man, that we may be strong in the power of his might. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. If you have your Bibles and you'd like to read along with me, they'll put it on the screen. In the writing of a great theologian, Warren Wearsby, kind of a weird name, Wearsby, I don't know, but one, and that's Warren. Warren wrote a series of books. He calls it the B series. And in it, he does applications of scriptures that have be in them, be kind, be faithful, be steadfast, be unmovable. You get the picture. And amongst that uh, assortment, there is this verse found here in Ephesians 6 and 10, and it uh, says, be strong, be strong. We're living in a time where weakness just won't make it. If you're not strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, then the probability of you making it through that kind of adversity is very slim. Amen. And God wants you to be strong. God doesn't want you to be weak and anemic. God doesn't want you to be detached and uh, unaffiliated. God wants you to be a part of what he's doing. He wants you to be active and to be strong in the things that really, really matter. He gives us the blessing of his presence all around us. And in this passage, when he says, finally, finally, the Greek says, uh, and, and the rest is. What that word finally means is, after I've said all of these other things, and that, that chapter is, is rich, and it gets, when you get past this verse, you get into the 11th verse, and you start talking about that armor that goes on Christian soldiers. And you have the metaphorical picture of a saint of God is a soldier, a Christian soldier, has a helmet of salvation, a breastplate of righteousness, loins gird with the truth and a sword of the spirit and shoes shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So there is this, this holy attire that this soldier, Christian soldier wears. It's not visible but in my life, it's very visible to my spirit man, not much to my physical man because, as you can see, I don't have a helmet on. But I do have inside my mind a protection for what goes into my mind and what uh, travels in and out the outlets of my personality. So I have to guard those things in order that I can stay strong because there is this process that we learn in the Corinthian correspondence that that Paul gave, he says, though the outward man perishes every day, the new inner man is renewed day by day. That inside us there is a, a person that feeds from the Word of God. Man does not eat, Matthew 4 and 4. Man doth not eat by bread alone, but by every word 
that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So we are fed spiritually a spiritual food. Jesus said, I am the bread of life, and that's in the I Am series in the Gospel of John. You'll hear me preach sometimes about the I Am series. I am the light of the world. I am the bread. You get that picture, and that's another sermon. But what I'm talking about is God says there is an inner man that though the outward man is not strong. We're not talking about here uh, physical. We're not, we're not talking about tangible, and we're not talking about muscles and sinew and tissue and ligaments and tendons. We're talking about on the inside of every one of us. Uh, you might call it a constitution. He's got a strong constitution. In other words, it's character. It's about what, what you're really all about. Because man looks upon the outward appearance. He wants to find out how much you got. And he wants to find out all of those things materialistically about you. But God, the Bible said, looks upon the heart. Because if you can get to the heart of the matter, you can get to what, what a person really is all about and what makes him really go in the direction he goes. God wants every one of us to walk in the paths of righteousness. 23rd Psalm, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. God wants us to walk in righteousness. It takes strong people spiritually to walk in righteousness. Why is that? Why, why is it so difficult for us? Well, the grind of everyday life. If you don't pay attention to spiritual things, the grind of everyday life will make you weak. If you don't pay attention to spiritual things every day, Don talks a lot about his devotion. That's a special time for him. He's realized that there is something about getting up early before you ever get busy with phone calls and things to do during the day. You first have some time with the Lord and take care of some needs that the inner man has that cannot be satisfied other than to get alone with God and commune and fellowship with God with your inner man. That's what prayer really is. Prayer is retributional. It, it flows back and forth. It goes to God and it comes back to you. Sometimes you talk and sometimes you listen. Sometimes you take your burden to the Lord and sometimes you let the Lord advise you and counsel you how to do that. And I want to tell you, God is a whole lot better counselor than I am. In fact, the Bible said he's a wonderful counselor. And the Bible said he's a mighty God. Amen. Not only is he smart, but he's strong. He's a mighty God. Amen. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. God wants us to have, have power. He wants us to be able to fight this fight of faith and go on with the things that make for peace in our lives. This verse is about supernatural power. It's about power that this world cannot produce. It can only be produced in God. And that is a, a word that he uses here. Now, in the Greco-Roman world where 
Paul lived at the time, there were various figures. And the word that he uses here for the, the power is kratos, K-R-A-T-O-S, kratos. And it literally means an a, a exhibition. It, it is a display. It's a tangible, physical, actual, proven power of God at work. In other words, it happens before your very eyes. Are you lucky enough in your life to have seen the power of God do something before your very eyes? Anybody ever had that? Oh, I'm so sorry for those of you that couldn't lift your hand. I'm so sorry for you because, brother, that's the most blessed thing. When before your eyes, when before your eyes, I have actually seen people cut casts off of their leg and get up and run after having a cast put on and come to church and say, Pastor, I've got to work. I've got, to, I've got to go to work. I've got to feed my, my family. I can't, I can't lay at home. I've got to support my, my folks, my kids. God's got to help me. And one night in an altar service, Rocky, I went to the guy and laid my hands on him, prayed for him. And I went on praying for other folks, and in a minute I turned around, and he had a knife in his hand. And he was whittling on that cast. And I, I have so much faith i went over to him and said what are you doing what are you doing he said i'm cutting this cast off i said well why are you doing that duh why are you cutting the case said, I, we prayed we prayed we prayed it's like the little girl that was the, that had a famine it had been dry so long the crops were dried up in the field and there was no harvest and and they needed rain so bad, and they was all going to gather up the church to pray. And a little girl walked out the door, and she had an umbrella in her hand. And her mama said, what are you doing with that umbrella? I said, well, we're, I thought we were going to pray. Why is it so natural for us just to assume God won't do it for me? He can do it. I'll say amen to you when you preach. He can do it but I don't know if he would do it for me. You see, that's when your faith is the question. That's when you get to the place where as you believe, as your faith is, so be it unto you. Now that display outwardly, that, that happened, well, let's just look at some instances where that happened. It happened at the tomb of Lazarus where undisputably the power of God did something so awesome. When Jesus walked to the mouth of that tomb there in, in Bethany, and, and the Bible said, shortest verse of the Bible, Jesus said he wept. Jesus wept. As a man, he wept. But as God, he said, Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible said, and Lazarus, came walking out of the tomb with his grave clothes on. That's an outward, visible, tangible, physical display of God's power. I'll tell you another one. Matthew 4, when they were on the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus said, go over to the other side. I'll meet you on the other side. And Jesus, the Bible said, departed into the mountain to pray. 
How many of you know Jesus believes and sees everything? Knows everything we do. Never loses sight of where we are and what we're doing. So he knew there was a storm on that lake. Why in the world did he send them to the other side knowing that that lake is a dangerous place? There are lessons that can only be learned in the classroom of hardship and difficulty. Amen. Sometimes the Lord lets us walk through difficult times because there are things we need to learn and grasp and get in our spirit that will never happen if we never have a difficulty. Andre Crouch's verse in his song says, For if I never had a problem, I wouldn't know God could solve it. If I never had a difficulty, I would never come to the understanding that God could take care of the difficulties that are in my life. And that by his power, the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, then we are kept, the Bible said, kept. Well, 1 Peter 1 and 5 says we are kept by the power of God. As these disciples were on this ship, the Bible said a storm came and their lives were in jeopardy and it looked like they would go down to a watery grave. But the Bible said then they saw Jesus walking on the water. Now, I'm talking about a visible, tangible experience when God's power was put on display. And the, and the Bible said that the disciples were so afraid and said, it's a ghost. And Peter was smart enough to know it wasn't a ghost. He said, that's not a ghost. That's the Lord. That's the Lord. And Jesus said, don't be afraid. It is I fear not. Fear not. And then, brother, Peter got all spunky and felt like he'd try that water walking miracle and stepped out there and started to Jesus and things worked really, really well until he took his eyes off and saw the fierceness of the storm and he saw the, uh, uh, felt the wind blowing and the storm and the lightning flashing and the Bible said he began to sink. Praise God, if you keep your eyes on Jesus, you can walk on things other people sink in. Oh, what about that? when he took his eyes off of Jesus and began to sink, had sense enough to pray. And he said, Lord, save me. And the Bible said, and the Lord set him, reached down and got him out of the hand, set him up and put him in the boat. Praise God. Isn't that great? That God keeps us by his power? The disciples, the Bible said, started punching one another and ribbing one another. Hey, what sort of man is this? that even the winds and the waves obey him. We've never seen it on this fashion before. Woo! That's because never a man spake like this man. Because when this man speaks, praise God, the winds and the waves obey. When this man speaks, disease uh, disappears and leprosy clears up. When this man speaks, blind eyes are opened. And when this man speaks, Deaf ears are unstopped because this man has power like no other power on this earth. And he is the one who said, I will keep you by my power. And we're kept.
by the power of God. Would you give God some praise this morning? Kept by the power of God. We live by the power of God. 2 Corinthians 13 and 4. Could you put that up there for me, please? I want us to see this. 13, 4. The Bible tells us that that power sustains us and holds us and embraces us and helps us through life. For though he was crucified, do you know that Jesus was crucified? Crucified by his own people, came unto his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him gave him power to become the sons of God. For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. Woo! Did you know that my resurrected Jesus, my death-defeating Lord Jesus Christ, has defeated hell and the grave and stomped on the serpent, praise God, and he lives by the power of God. He lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live also with him by the power of God toward you. If someone asks you today on the way out, how are you feeling? Say, kept by the power of God. Someone says, how in the world are you able to do that? By the power of God. How was you able to recover from that sickness? I hear a lot of people has a hard time of that. How did you get over that? Kept by the power of God. How did you avoid disaster? How did you? Oh, that, that just keeps ringing in my ears. Kept. Kept by the power of God. You mean my heavenly Father watches over me to such an extent that he keeps me? He keeps me. Have you got an all-seeing eye watching you? Have you got an outstretched arm and a mighty hand delivering you? Have you got a God who has power that is unmatched? His power is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is everywhere present at one time. By his word, the worlds were formed. By his finger, the oceans knew their boundaries. By his hand, the stars were flung into their sockets. By his mouth and the word of his mouth, the sun began to shine. When he said, let there be light, there was light. He is the all-powerful, almighty God who keeps us by his power. Yes. Kept by the power of God. Wow. Supernatural. And he infuses. That word is endunameo. It literally is the word from which we get dynamite. It is infused into the believer. I believe it was... Celeste telling me before church she had to have some infusions and said it always makes me makes me sick and I have to plan when I want to have it because I, I get sick afterwards. Infusion. Did you know this is the very power, this endunameo, it means infuse. It means strength, literally, to be strengthened. Does God strengthen people? Have you ever prayed to God for strength? Have you ever said, God, I'm just a little bit on the weak side. I, I need some more spiritual strength. I, I need some more of your power. I need some more of your grace, some more of that Holy Ghost Spirit. Praise God. Though he was crucified through weakness, yet he lives by the power. He lives by the power, infused. 
I wish there was some tangible way you could be infused with power, don't you? Geritol is pretty good when they say, give you some energy. I, I don't know so much about that. I'm more dependable about the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Amen. He said, when you pray, just say in the name of Jesus and whatsoever you ask in my name, I will do it. He said, when the old wolf is at the door and trouble comes a knocking, he says, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. Offer thanks unto God and pay your vows unto the Most High, says the psalmist. And he said, in that day when trouble comes, in that day when catastrophe comes, when disaster strikes, he said, when you're at your wit's end and you don't know what to do, he said, call on me. Call on me. Call on me. Call on me. And I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. When the people of God were standing, ready to go in and possess the promised land, they were lacking in spiritual strength. They were weak. You see, they'd never learned. They'd been in bondage so long. I wonder sometimes about people of God. that They, they go through a difficulty so long until they, they lose their, 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 their strength. They lose that, that combat uh, attitude. Hey. I want to tell you something. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Let me tell you something else. When you've got the word of God and the power of God and the Holy Spirit of God, then praise God, you're not dominated by fear and the, the depression. God wants you to be strong in faith and strong in the power of his might. Amen. Be strong in those things. When they're sitting there about to go in and and God has said to Moses, Moses, you're not going to get to go. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 3 through 8. The Lord thy God will go before you. Have you got God going before you? Is God in your tomorrows? Is God in your future? He said, the Lord will go over before thee, and he will destroy those nations from before thee and thou shalt possess them. And Joshua, he shall go over before thee as the Lord hath said. And the Lord shall do unto them as he did to Sihon and to Og, the kings of the Amorites, and unto the land of them whom he destroyed. And the Lord shall give them up before your very face. Kratos demonstrated power of God. Said you're going to see the power of God defeat your enemies right before your eyes, right before your face right before your face that ye may do them do them according to all the commandments which I've commanded you read it in Joshua chapter 1 verse 6 7 and 8 be strong and a good courage fear not and don't be afraid of them for the Lord thy God he it is that doth go with thee he will not fail thee and he will not forsake thee Be strong, be courageous, that you may observe to do according to all of the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. What does living right have to do with miraculous power of God? Boy, it got quiet. What does keeping the commandments have to do with 
the power of God working for you. Obedience. It's better than sacrifice. Obedience is the key. It means walking in all the light you know to walk in. Are you walking in all the light that you know to walk in? That's the key to having miracles and having power demonstrated in your life. He says, all that the Lord has commanded, everything he commanded, turn not from it to the right, turn not to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Oh, Brother Jerry, if I could just catch a break. If I could just get a, get a break, Brother Jerry. Well, how are you doing with that verse up there? Are you walking in the light as he is in the light? I said, are you walking in the light? Are you in the path of the righteous? He said, all of those commandments that the Lord has commanded you, don't turn to the right, don't turn to the left. Get right in the middle, smack dab in the middle of the road and walk in the way of the righteous. Amen. Don't turn left, don't turn right. And what will happen? That thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Glory to God. If you want to have success in life, if you want God to keep his hand upon your life, if you want blessings, if you want, want happiness, you want peace, then listen to that verse. Do what that verse says and you will be in position to receive God's best. God's best. I love that. Moses called to Joshua and said to him at the side of all Israel, Be strong and of a good courage, for thou must go with this people unto the land which the Lord hath sworn unto their fathers to give them, and thou shalt cause them to inherit it. Oh, I love that. And the Lord, verse 8, and the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee and will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, listen, and neither be dismayed. Neither be dismayed. What are you telling me? That's a, you, you, God, I thought God would take, no, he said, don't you be that way. Don't you walk around like the last rose of summer. And don't you look like a daffodil in an onion patch. Don't be singing that woe is me. Amen. Here, sing, sing this one. This is better. I am blessed. I am blessed every day that I live. I am blessed. When I wake up in the morning till I lay my head to rest, I am blessed, I am blessed. If you'll start confessing that you're blessed, if you'll start speaking positively that you're blessed, I'm a child of God. God is my heavenly Father. He cares for me. He watches over me. He said, I am the Lord that healeth thee. By his stripes we're healed. By his hand the Lord provides. Amen. I'm not a pauper, I'm not a victim, I'm a victor. I'm not underneath, I'm on top, I'm, I'm going for God, amen. I'm going for God. We saw a fellow this week, a guy that Don and I led to the Lord right here in that room right up there one morning. He'd received word that 
he had possibly a terminal cancer. And he was very upset. He said, I've got to fix some things. Got to, got to, got to get that, that road right. I've got to get on a different road. I'm traveling the wrong road. Come on, somebody. I need to get off the road I'm on, and I need to get on the right road, and I need you to tell me how to get on the right road. Come on, somebody. I need you to tell me how to get things right with him. Praise the Lord. And we explain to him, if you confess with your mouth and you believe from your heart, you shall be saved. Repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus, thou and thy household, and thou shalt be saved. You know what his testimony was as he walked out the door that, that morning? He said, well, the way you fellas tell it, I win either way. Yeah. 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 Woo! Glory to God, this Pentecostal preacher is about to shout a little bit. I'm a winner, not a loser. I'm not a victim. I'm not a punching bag for the devil. No evil shall come nigh thy dwelling. No weapon. No weapon, Nick's verse is. No weapon that the enemy shall fashion against you will prosper. My little old sister-in-law was lived over in Fairhope, Tornado Alley, they call it. And they scared them all. They were all in the basement. And Debbie's talking to her on the phone. She said, I can see it coming. Said it's coming right out 69, right out toward the house out here. And then everything went silent. I said, oh, Lord, they blowed the house away. She laid the phone down, walked out in the yard, and that little old 90-pound woman stuck her finger up in the air and said, in the name of Jesus, no evil shall come nigh my dwelling. In the name of Jesus, you stop your track. You go another way. Don't you come this way. And he... That thing turned when it got to the corner post where you turn in to go to their farm. Ah, Brother Jerry, I've heard all them, them tell. Yeah, that's why you don't ever get anything like that as you sit around moaning and groaning. Wouldn't know a miracle if it walked up and shook hands with you. Wouldn't know a demonstration of God's power if it walked up and said, I, I'm the Holy Ghost. Why, how are you doing today? <laughs> you know, the devil sometimes uh, attacks us when we're going through difficult things, difficult times. He loves to prey upon people that are, that are weak and people that are sick and people that have gone through t tough times. He loves to do attacks like that. <laughs> there was no brother in the church Oh, Brother Mathis, I don't know if you knew Brother Mathis over at Crumbless Chapel. Did you know Brother Mathis? Emmett Mathis, Lord of mercy. He had a spell one Sunday morning right there in church. You know, he sat on the front seat. And so when he passed out, everybody knew he'd passed out because he is on the front seat. And so, well, you get the picture. My daddy went over to where he was. And said, Brother Emmett, in the name of Jesus, I pray for you and obey the word of God and lay my hands upon you according to the scriptures. The scripture says, these signs shall follow them that believe. 
They shall lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. And in Jesus' name, I command you right now to recover. And then Mathis stood up on his feet and started laughing. Just broke out in the biggest laugh. And if you knew Brother Mathis, you'd laugh too. And I never will forget what he said. I, I was about eight years old. I was in third grade at Ranburn School. And here's what he said. He said, you know, Brother Irvin, call my daddy Irvin. said, you know, Brother Irvin, said, that devil is about the craziest thing in the world, isn't he? Daddy said, why is that, Brother Mathis? He said, jump on me right here in the middle of all these people to pray. Said, you'd think he'd have better sense than that. You'd think he'd, he'd plan better than that. He ought to know that in a place like this, somebody's going to pray a prayer. Somebody's going to touch heaven. Somebody's going to get, get a hold of God. It, it, it ain't going to come out like he planned because he picked the wrong place. Sometimes the devil thinks if he's got you in the right place, he can hit you with something hard and knock you out. In 1 Kings chapter 20, verse 26, the Bible said the Assyrians was coming against the people of God. And they were having a really, really tough time with Benadad. And he'd come, the Bible said, and stolen just about everything in the world from them. That's the tragic part of this story. After he'd taken about everything they, they had, took all of their wealth, all their gold, all their silver. He's the king now, and he's willingly giving it up, paying them off. If you would, just won't hurt us. If you just won't kill anybody, you can have all of our gold and all of our silver. We'll just let you have the whole treasure. And Benadad said, now that I've got everything you've got, said, I'll be back on such and such a date to get you. When are you ever going to learn you can't make deals with the devil? He's a cheat. He's a liar. He's a, he's a murderer. Oh, yeah. You don't, you don't try to make deals with him. He, he'll cheat you every time. You can't pay any attention to a thing he tells you. The truth is not in him. Come on, somebody. Boy, would I love that script. Let me get over here and read it to you because you, you trust it more if it's in the Word of God. I just, let me read it to you. And it came to pass at the return of the year, verse 26, that Benadad numbered the Assyrians and went up to Aphek to fight against Israel. And the children of Israel were numbered and were all present and went against them. Children of Israel pitched before them like two little flocks of kids, but the Syrians filled the whole country. Got two little old flock of sheep against an army. Would you say they're outnumbered? Would you say they're outclassed? God loves impossible things. Verse 28, and there came a man of God. What did you say? There came a man of God. I'm glad God still got one. I'm glad God still got a man that'll open his mouth and let God fill it with the truth. Somebody needs to say glory to God for that. Brother, if we ever get to where we don't have a man that will say, thus saith the Lord, we're in trouble. Because the Syrians have said, the Lord is God in the hills. He's not a God in the valley. Therefore will I deliver all this great multitude into thine hand, and ye shall know that I 
am the Lord. Oh, glory to God. What happened is Benadad finally came to his senses and he said, my Lord, they're going to kill every one of us now. He said, we better get up and start trusting God. A lot of sermon to preach right there. Help me, God. Now you're tempting me mighty sore. I want to chase that one, but I better let it alone. Amen. A lot of folks wait till times get... Yeah. There came a man of God, and the man of God said, God wants to show you his power. God wants to let a demonstration of his power take place here. God wants to be so powerful and so sovereign that nobody could ever doubt but what God did this. He said, besides that, I don't believe those folks have got religion that will endure bad times. If you remember last time we fought them, they beat us because we were on the mountain. I guarantee you if we get them off that mountain, and get them down in the valley. We'll beat the socks off of them because their spirits will be down, their heart will be down, they'll be down every way you can look at it. And folks don't fight much when they're down. Their God is a God of the hills. He's not a God of the valley. So we're gonna fight them down here on the plain mistake they found out that God is not just God on the mountain he's God in the valley he's God in the good times but he's God in the bad times he's God when things look look negative and pessimistic he's God also when things are bright and rosy and things are well he's not like the chameleon and, and James's back and forth no he said, I am the Lord and I change not. Praise God. I won't fail you. I won't leave you. I'll stand by you. I'll go before you. Whatever things needs to be done, I'll, I'll take care of what needs to be done. What a great God he is. Verse 29, and they pitched one over against the other. And so it was that in the seventh day the battle was joined. And the children of Israel slew the Assyrians and 100,000 footmen in one day. Now, the miracle of that, if they did it with two little flocks, their people, their men, looked like two little flocks of sheep. And how many hundred thousand was it that he said he killed? Slew the hen, a hundred thousand footmen in one day. But the rest led to Aphek into the city, and there a wall fell. What? A wall fell upon 27,000 of the men that were left. And Benadad said, I've had enough. It's time to get out of here. I'm running. Brother, when the power of God moves, the devil usually says, I got to get out of here. I said, when the power of God is put on display, the devil usually says, I got to I got to go. I got to get out of here. Can't stay where the power of God is. I guarantee you. Have you ever prayed the power of God down? Have you prayed so intently and prayed so fervently that the Bible said the prayer of a righteous man availeth much when he prays with fervency and intensity? When you pray the power down, 
pray the power down. I used to, as a young evangelist, I'd pull up at a church to, to preach a revival, and there there'd be homecoming tables out there on the, on, the, on the site, and the men of the church would be out there and knelt at those homecoming tables, praying, asking God to give revival. One church in Whitwell, Tennessee, I pulled up to, and they had a pile of rocks piled up out there, and they'd been up on the side of the mountain to pray, and they'd built them an altar up there, and on their way back to church, for the service, they'd pick up a rock, and that represented somebody they wanted to see saved that night. And when they'd get to church, they'd put that in the pile, and they'd say, we'll have revival when we get all of these souls saved. Boy, wouldn't it be good if the church would get under a burden like that for now for lost souls to be saved? That we would pray and seek God and visibly, visibly see God move and see God work. Come on, Olivia, and help me quit. Finally, for the rest, the Ephesians, the Bible said, were to strengthen themselves. Strengthen themselves. Have you ever strengthened yourself? You knew God's strength was there, but have you ever said, God, I just need to strengthen myself? The Bible said that David, when he was being pursued by Saul, the Bible said he encouraged himself in the Lord. He encouraged himself. In the Lord. Is there anybody here that has ever encouraged yourself? Have you ever just said to self, self, sit down here, I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you. I need to tell you something. We need to have a come to Jesus meeting. We need to talk this thing over. Because if we keep going like we're going, we're headed for the ditch. Oh, encouraged himself. David said, oh, that I had wings like an like a eagle, for then I would flap my wings and fly away and be at rest. Have you ever just wished you could fly away? Job said, so are appointed to me endless nights, and I'm full of tossings to and fro under the dawning of the day. When I lie down, I say, when shall I arise and the night be gone? And I'm filled with fear and frustration. You ever been in a situation like that? Didn't know what you were going to do? Didn't know what path you needed to take? But God showed you his visible power? Oh, I want God to do some of that Kratos kind of power because that's the power that we read off the board a while ago, that's in you. That's in every one of us. Let me hurry and I'll be done. Just a minute, I promise. The power, the might. Be strong in the power of his might. It means that this is not a hypothetical, this is a real, tangible, physical power. In Ephesians 1 and 19, put that up there for me. I'll do that and in Romans 8 and 11, I'll be through. Ephesians 1 19 declares that when God raised Jesus from the dead, he used the very same power to do the job of resurrection that he does in our life to strengthen ourselves with the power and the might. It's kratos, it's the same word. The same power that he says is in you is the same power that brought Jesus out of the tomb. 
Wow. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? To us for to believe according to the working of his mighty power. Next verse. Praise God, it's going to be a good one. What it means is that the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that lives in you. And Romans chapter 8 verse 11 says this, For if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus be in you, can any of you say in you? In you? If the Spirit that raised up Jesus be in you, then he that raised up Jesus shall also quicken, which means make alive, your mortal bodies by his Spirit that liveth in you and abideth in you. The Spirit, resurrection power, resurrection Spirit is in every one of us in this room. All over this room, there are reservoirs of the Spirit of God. The same Spirit, the Kratos, the same Spirit that was so visible. Do you believe it was visible on that first Easter Sunday morning? The Bible said about the dawning of the day on the first day of the week when the Marys, the three Marys went to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus, they found out something had happened. There were some soldiers that were there, and those soldiers were charged with a great responsibility. You better make sure that those disciples don't come and steal him away and then start preaching that he rose. But the Bible said when the dawning of the day came, that the power of God that raised up Jesus that's in you, the power caused an earthquake. The ground began to shake. Rocks began to roll around. Wow. Next thing you know, this big wheel of a rock that has sealed up the tomb, it's rolled out of the way and suddenly Jesus comes walking out of that tomb. Not hypothetical, actual kratos, actual physical, glory to God. And brother, when Jesus said to those women, said, why seek you the living among the dead? And they say, oh, you're the gardener. We just came to anoint Jesus' body. They didn't really recognize who he was. How many times have you prayed for God to do something and the answer walked up to you and you didn't recognize the answer to the prayer you were praying? Let's give them a break. Let's just say they were so heartbroken and so emotionally distracted that they didn't know who Jesus was. Wow. Do you reckon we ever come to church sometimes and we're so distracted that Jesus comes up and says, oh, here I am. I said I'd be here if two of you would come. I, I said I'd be here. Here I am. I said, well, 
Mr. Gardner, sir, we're so glad you came, Brother Gardner. Appreciate you being here. We're looking for Jesus. I preach a sermon sometimes, Chad, on how to miss Jesus. Brother, you can just clean missing because you're looking for something else. One more and a throw, I promise. When the prophet was busy with Gehazi, they were doing ministry, and a little girl had got captured in one of the battles with the Assyrians. And there was a, a general with the Assyrians. His name was Naaman. And Naaman had captured different people and brought them in to serve his servants. And this little girl, Naaman, the Bible said, had leprosy. Great general, but he had leprosy. And the Bible said the little girl came around to him and said, Master, said there is a man and said he serves a God who is in heaven. Says his name is Jehovah. He's the God of Israel. And said, I've seen fabulous things happen. Because, brother, when that man prays, things happen. I guarantee you, if you'd contact him, he could tell you how to get healed of that leprosy. Wow. Now, you get the picture here. To be a leper means you're separated from society. To be a leper means you have no life. It means you can't come within 50 feet of any other person. It means if you meet somebody, you've got to get off the sidewalk and walk to the ditch and stay away from them and let them pass. Life is miserable for lepers. When he heard that, that there's hope, there's, there's a man that can introduce me to a man named God that is Jehovah God, and he says he's the creator that he made everything that he is by the word of his mouth. I'll go to this man. I'll see what I... So he got his entourage ready and got all the chariots. I would say they got the state chariot, wouldn't you think? I would think they got the one that was the super-duper whooper whopper. I bet it had all the frills. I bet it had all the bells and whistles. I bet that, that official chariot of the king he was driving the king's chariot. And the Bible said they pulled up at the tent of the prophet Elisha. And he said, go in there and tell him that Naaman is here and I'm a leper and I need some advice. I need to know what to do about my situation. It's deplorable. Life is horrible. Would you tell him that I'm out here? So they went inside and said, Naaman, the great general, the Assyrian, is here. And said, he wants to see you. He said, tell him to go over to Jordan River and dip seven times, and he will be healed of his leprosy. So Naaman is sitting outside getting nervous, hoping nobody sees his chariot over there at that Pentecostal tent. just slipped out. <clears throat> here he is out here at them, that's wholeness tent. 
got a hold of this prophet out here that's going to help him get healed. Go dip how many times? Seven times. Where? Jordan. Jordan, does he not know that we've got rivers of Damascus here? And they're clear. Does he not know that we've got rivers of Farfar and Abana here? Why would we go to the muddiest river in the Transjordan area, Basin? Why would we do that? He said, sir, I didn't ask him for an expose. He just said, Jordan. So the Bible said he got in his chariot, and as you would say, he tore out. And when he got over to Jordan River, he very delicately got out and said, ooh, this stuff is muddy and it's nasty. And he walked out in the, in the river and he got out there and he, he dipped one time and he came up and he was still a leper. And he dipped a second time and he came up and Jason, he was still a leper. Three times he goes down. Third time he comes back up and he's still a leper. Four times he goes. Five times T, still a leper. Sixth time, getting closer. Might get half of it done this time. It, it may look better when I come out. No, same condition, everything just like it was. Six wouldn't work. But on the seventh time, When he went down and immersed himself and when he came up, the Bible said his skin was the skin of a baby. Now, what's the key to that whole thing? Do what God says. If he'd have walked out of there on six, he would have died a leper. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Just walk in all the life that you know to walk in and position yourself for God to do something through his power. Somebody say, man, that's good stuff for the power of God. The, 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 the answer for harvest, if you want God to do a miracle, if you want God to supply a need, if you want God to do something so, so powerful and so, so tangible and so physical that it's no doubt nobody can get the glory but God. If you want that, then obey those commandments and get right smack dab in the middle of the will of God and spend every ounce of energy you've got reaching somebody with the saving grace and the gospel of the Lord Jesus. That's the way you get things from God. And don't do that bargaining. Lord, if you'll do this for me, then I'll do this and I'll do that and do the other. Forget about making bargains. God says it like this. Psalm 50, 14. Offer thanks unto God and pay your vows unto the Most High and call on me. Don't get the cart before the horse and call on him and say, I'll pay my tithes and I'll, I'll pay my, I'll do this and I'll do that. If you feel, no, no. Do that first. And then you've got what I call grounds for appeal. I said grounds for appeal. Was it Hezekiah Don? 
that got the bad news, you're going to die and not live? His pastor, Isaiah, came over to give him a, a message, said, hey, I just got word from God. And he told me to tell you to set your house in order that you're going to pass, you're not going to live. And he turned and started walking out. And Hezekiah turned his face over toward the wall. Good story, listen to it, three minutes. And he said, Lord, remember how I have lived. Remember how I have walked uprightly before you. Remember how I've done that which is right in the sight of God. I, I've not turned to the right. I've not turned to the left. I've done what you told me to do. I've tried my best to fulfill the promise of God in my life. And Isaiah was in the outer courts about to leave. And God said, hold up. Isaiah said, yes, Lord. He said, go back in there and tell Hezekiah that I have seen his tears. I've seen his tears. I have seen his tears. And I have heard his cry. I've heard his cry and I've seen his tears. Go back in there and tell him that I'm going to add 15 years on to his life. See, once you get the process right, then God is so ready to do something through his power. Something through his power. Stand with me, please, all over this house. Glory to God. Yes, this, this message has got a part two to it. Praise God. Because I want to tell you something, the greatest thing we've got going for us is God's power and God's anointing and God's spirit. Come down here, Sheila. I want to pray for you this morning. Quentin will help you. How many of you believe that God delivers? Not just physical. He, he does things spiritual, emotional. There's, there's people that need all kind of healing. All kinds of healing. Spiritual healing, physical healing, emotional healing. Hey, buddy, it's bad when you have damaged emotions. I said damaged emotions is bad news. Depression, despondency. Come on, somebody. That's tough stuff. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Somebody say that. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Hmm. God's got victory for you today, Sheila. In Jesus' name, he's got victory for you. You come this morning, you said, Pastor, I need a touch of God today. I need God to do something for me that no other power can do. I need his deliverance. I need his healing. The word of God says, these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay their hands upon the sick and they shall recover. God, I lay my hands upon Sheila Roberts this morning. In obedience to your word, your word tells me to do exactly what I'm doing right now. Thank you, Father. And I lay my hands upon her in the name of Jesus. 
And I ask you to touch her, O Lord. Touch her in the deepest part of her spirit. Touch her, O God, in her soul. Touch her, O God, physically and spiritually and emotionally. God, I pray in Jesus' name that right now you would start a recovery in her. Oh, blessed God, that which the enemy has attacked and has come against, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that we will be strong, that we will be strong in the power of the might of the Lord Jesus, that that same power that brought again our Lord from the dead, that that same power would touch Sheila today. God, stretch down your hand. You said your hand was an outstretched arm and a mighty hand. That hand that was waved in the sky and stars began to twinkle in their sockets. That hand that was lifted toward the sky and the sun began to shine. That hand that bid Lazarus to come forth from the tomb. That hand that handed out fishes and loaves and the people were fed miraculously by the power of God. That hand that rebuked the wind and rebuked the waves. I pray that that hand, that miraculous hand would be outstretched to Sheila and let her experience a touch of healing right now, God. Deliver her from this spirit of infirmity that has her bound. And give her, O Lord, a glorious release and a full recuperation of her joy and her peace in the Holy Spirit. Start that process right now, O God, in her life and in her heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen and amen. For I am the Lord that calleth you, and I am faithful. I will keep my word, saith the Lord. My power is real. It's not hypothetical. It is real. And if you will partake of the faith and the grace and the peace that I offer, you will be satisfied in your spirit, and you will be prosperous in what your hand finds to do. For I, the Lord, am with you and have gone before you, and I have ordered your steps. Walk in those steps, saith the Lord, and you will find victory for your heart and soul. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody give the Lord some praise. Now, I need to tell you this. When I come up to preach, I come up from the congregation up here because I'm no different than you. Things you need are the things I need. Amen. I'm not some superhuman. I'm just like every one of you. Hurt like all of you do. I just have a role in worship, and I have a role in service to God, and that's to preach this word for people like you to hear the good news that God is sufficient and Jesus is right for whatever. Jesus is right for whatever. Somebody say that. Jesus is right for whatever.